so many times, you know, we've got this expectation, this busy weekend past. How many of you had a to-do list of things you had to do or got one from your wife and actually finished that? Yes, I thought so. Yes. Uh, but, you know, there's rugby, there's Formula One, uh, there was netball, uh, and all the other things. That's just my weekend, and then also preparing for today, and then there's this to-do list. It makes me think of the, this one particular weekend. Susanna and I had this desperate need many years ago of just spending time with friends, and so just look and listen to this time management uh, unrealistic goal. So we set our time the Friday evening to spend with people, the Saturday, Saturday morning with different friends, the Saturday afternoon with more friends, and then the Sunday morning. Again, different people. And so by that Sunday afternoon, I fell on the bed, believing that we achieved the goal that we set out to achieve, only to hear my wife laying down next to me and saying, I just have such a need to spend time with our friends. <laughs> and so I had to realize that her need was not fulfilled. Because ultimately, she was the one spending time preparing, getting everything ready. You know, I did what I, I could, but um, spend time with the friends. And so, when we say the word worship, you know, laying down our lives to worship God, it's all about God and, and the worship of God. The question needs to be asked, do we meet do you feel that your worship meets God's expectation? And so, which is why we're starting a sermon series for the next few weeks. We're going to preach on the topic of what is worship? Because how would we be able to know whether we fulfill that or not if we don't know the true biblical meaning of worshiping God? And so the series is going to be called Undignified I'll explain a little bit later why undignified. But when I, when I mention the word worship, you know, typically we might be thinking, this is this churchy word that refers to the section in the service, which we just had, where we sing songs. Which is why we then measure worship uh, on the song selection. You know, some of you sat there this morning, mm, song selection, mm. You know, that first song, the words weren't even up this morning. Uh, or we tend to think of the music. Uh, this crowd in the morning, normally music was a bit too loud. Evening, we get the opposite. Music was a bit too soft. Uh, or how it made me feel. So how do you feel this morning about worship? Yes. Yes. See, the worship of God is one of the main themes in the Bible. Which is why it is important for us to know what we believe and understand about worship. Because you were created to worship God. Let me say that again. You, we, were created to worship God. How are you doing? You were created to worship God. How's it going with your worship? And so we're going to look at primarily the story of of David from the book of Samuel. And so in the next few weeks, go and read 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and we're going to link it to certain Psalms uh, that is relevant to what we will see from David's life, his experience, the revelation of God in his life, and how that changed his worship. And so we will see David worshiping God, then there's a revelation of God, 
and it changes his worship. And I pray that that will be true for us this morning, that God will reveal himself to each one of us this morning. And so my topic for today is reverent worship. Reverent worship. So worship can be reverent, meaning it honors God, or it can be irreverent meaning it does not bring honor to God. It is dishonoring. So you can open your Bibles with me in 2 Samuel 6 this morning as we look at how the Bible defines reverent worship. Reverent worship. Worship that honors God is a reverent worship. Worship that does not honor God is irreverent worship. And so from this story this morning, we will see what is the difference? And also, where are you positioned in regards to these two topics? And so before I read, let me just give you some background. The ark of God, the covenant ark of God, was separated from Israel for more than 100 years. This is where we're going to pick up the story. Uh, the Philistines, if you go and read uh, 1 Samuel 4, verse 11, you will see how the Philistines conquered Israel. They took the ark. And the ark stayed in their presence for seven months. And then because of God's anger and wrath on the Philistines, they put the ark on a wagon, on a cart with oxen, and just send it away. And, then, and you know, coincidentally, the ark find it, it found its way back to Israel. Nobody's steering the cart, coincidentally. And so the ark ends up in a small town where the people are so, you know, Curious about this ark, they even open it up. And again, we see God's wrath and he strikes 70 people in that moment, dead. And then the ark is moved to Kiriath Yeream, where the story starts. For the majority of this hundred years, the ark of God was in this small little village. And so David, then just recently being anointed as king, sets out to go and fetch the ark. And we're going to read from verse 1. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cerebrum. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinabab, which is, uh, was on a hill, and Uzzah and Ahihu. The sons of Abinabab were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lures and harps and tambourines and castnets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to a house, Obed-Edom, the Gittite, verse 12. 
And it was told to King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with sound of horn. Father, thank you that we can pray now that as we study your word, Holy Spirit, will you minister to us? Will you come and show us just the meaning, the true biblical meaning of worship this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. And so to understand just the, the fullness of what is happening here, why was it so important for the ark of God to be in the midst of Israel, you need to go and look at why the ark was there in the first instance. And so to the Israelites, the ark was a symbol of God's physical presence in their midst. And so every time the ark was placed in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, which now we've just heard it was separated for a hundred years. It was not in the tabernacle. So every time this, this ark, the ark of God was placed in the Holy of Holies, God would ascend on it physically in a thick cloud. And there's going to be a picture behind me just trying to show you more or less what it looked like. Thick cloud that ascended on this ark with a bright shining light on this, they call it the mercy seat, which is the top part of the ark. And so when we read verse 5, it said, And David and the people went before God, and they celebrated with song and music. Meaning that God's presence was physically on the ark like it always were. And so God was physically there as they were transporting this ark. And so why bringing the ark back meant that God's presence would return to his people. And so for a hundred years, they were without God's physical presence. When last did you experience God's presence in your life? God's physical presence was absent for more than a hundred years. Which is why David set out to bring it back. And so from this narrative, from the story of the ark returning, we're going to see two different attempts Two different attempts to return the ark. The one, the first attempt, we will see from that what is irrelevant or irreverent worship. From this first attempt, from the word, we will see this morning what is irreverent worship. Worship that does not honor God. And the second we will look at, we will see, well, what then is the true meaning of reverent worship? And so let's go back to the story. They take the ark. And they place it on a cart, on an ox wagon. And they are bringing it back. And so we see God's presence there. And people singing. And there's a lot of music instruments similar to what we had this morning. All taking place. And it's this happy moment. You know, sound level is just great. Sound selection uh, or song selection, yes. No new songs. You know, typical old songs, 80 songs. Good. It's this great environment of seemingly worship taking place. 
Now, Hayu, one of the two brothers, two Levites, was walking in front of the ark with the people. Dave, um, um, sorry, his brother Usa was walking either next to the cart or on the cart. In those days, when you steered the cart, you weren't actually sitting on it. And so we see when they come to this threshing floor, one of the oxen stumbles and he puts out his hand. His motives are pure just to prevent the ark of God, the covenant ark from falling. And in that moment, the celebration, the song, the happiness turns into mourning. And he is struck down dead by God. First attempt, we see this irreverent worship. Second one, totally different, where the Levites were carrying the ark of God. Still we see celebration and worship. Even says that David went out before the ark and he danced. And if you carry on reading from verse 16, you will see how his wife rebukes him and, and says to him, you were acting in a way unworthy of a king. From there, the sermon series name, he was undignified. He was getting rid of his clothes. And his wife rebuked him. And in that moment, God struck her with barrenness, not being able to ever again bear children. Because she questioned the motive of, of her husband. But so there's worship, the Levites carrying the ark. And so it says, after taking six steps, they stopped and a sacrifice was brought unto God. We don't know if it was for every six steps they took. The Bible doesn't say. But it does say after the first six steps, we see this sacrifice. And so what was the difference between this first attempt of irreverent worship and reverent worship? What happened? Why the change? Verse 9. Let's read verse 9 again. In the middle it says, And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? They were busy doing everything from pure motives. Usa even touched the ark of God from a place of, of having a good motive. But God revealed His holiness in that moment. His sovereignness. Him being God Almighty to David and the people. And so we see a change David's heart towards God. We see that the first and second attempt comes from a place. It stems from a place where it is no longer about what I want. I want to bring the ark back. My motive is to have God's presence back amongst my people. I want to put it in the tabernacle where God ordained it to be. It's no longer about what I want, David wants anymore. But we see how this, just this revelation of whom God is, changes his heart. It's no longer about self, but to honor and please God in that moment. That was the difference. And what does it mean then to have reverence for God? Because the second attempt comes from that place. The reverent worship comes from a reverent place. What does it mean? It means to honor God. It means to lift Him up. It means to put Him first. It means that no longer me, God, but you. If you tell me to go and live in whatever nation, then so it will be. 
It's no longer about what I want. It's to honor God. It is to follow His commands. That is what it means to have reverence for God. It's not how I think about things, but what His Word says about things. And so we see David's desire to reestablish God's presence amongst his people and even Usa's motives in touching this ark or the ark did not come from a place of ill motive, but nor did it come from a place of having reverence towards God. Their motives were good, but their actions were not allowed, aligned with God's commandments. Their motives were good, when we come into God's presence, our motives might be good, but are your actions aligned to God's commandments? And so why would I say it was not aligned? Let's read in Exodus. What did God say about the ark to Moses? In Exodus 25, verses 14 to 15, we read the following. Verse 12. You shall cast four rings of gold for it. And put them on its four feet. This is God speaking about the ark now. Two rings on the one side of it and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. Listen to this. And the poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. Have you ever thought, why was it only Usa that died? How did they get the ark on the cart? The poles were there. And so it was two Levites, the two brothers, their father, and there was an older brother. Potentially it was them that carried the ark. It's a very good assumption to make because we don't read of anybody else that died. And so we see God's commands being clear about how to transport the ark. Numbers 14 verse 11, God speaks again. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishing of the sanctuary, speaking about the, the tabernacle, as the camp sets out, after that the sons of Kuath shall come to carry these, but they must not touch the holy things, lest they die. They must not touch the holy things lest they die. Their motives were good, but their actions did not align with God's commands. And so we see the difference between irreverent worship, good motives, but this worship flows and stems from a place that is not in line with God's word. And so in the absence of revelation, in the absence of understanding who God is, we see ignorance or potentially disobedience. In the absence of reverence towards God, functioning without pausing and thinking who it is that we are busy worshiping, we see ignorance or potentially disobedience. Ignorance in this case meaning that they had access to the word, but they did not study it. They were ignorant. Or disobedient, meaning that they knew the word, but they just didn't care to follow 
what God said about the ark. And so here's the thing we need to understand. David had full access to God's word. Written, exposed up until his time. David knew everything or he had access, either being disobedient or ignorant, to what he had to know about the ark. In Deuteronomy 17, verses 17 to 18, it says this. And when he sits, this is God speaking again, and he's speaking about when you have anointed a king, all the kings that would have followed from Saul, David, and on. This is what God said about them. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of his law, of this law, approved by the Levitical priest. In 1 Chronicles 15, there was this first attempt, and they failed. And so why did they change? Yes, there was a change of heart. But how did David know what to do next? And so when you study one, or 2 Samuel 6, you can read 1 Chronicles or 2 Chronicles 13, uh, 1 Chronicles 13 and 15 with it because it's the same incident. Different angles, more information. Listen to what Daniel, uh, David says in, in 1 Chronicles 15 verse 2. Then David said that no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God for the Lord had chosen them to carry the ark. This is after the first attempt. Verse 13, because you did not carry it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not seek him according to his rule. David had full access to what he needed to know about the transportation and the handling of the ark. And so we see this typical being either ignorant, having access, not caring to, to familiarize yourself with it, or just being plain disobedient, knowing but not following. And in this, it's almost this picture of, yeah, did God really say? You know, we, we tend to become familiar. We tend to become familiar with God. We tend to become familiar with God. Do you know in whose presence you find yourself? When God says, where two or more gather in my name, just look around you quickly. Where two or more gather in my name, there I shall be. Do you know in whose presence we find ourselves this morning? Have we become so familiar with singing songs and reading the Bible that we are functioning from a place of being irreverent in our worship? And so we see with David the revelation of God's holiness changed his worship. It was no longer about what he wanted or how he felt, which as I've mentioned is irreverent worship. It was this revelation of God that changed his heart. Who is God to you this morning? Family, who is God to you this morning? If you had to turn to somebody now, will it come from a place of reverence? That is what led to his change of heart. Yes, he was initially angry with God, striking Usa, but in that moment, 
also just this fear that came over him to understand the holy of holies is with them. He is the creator of everything. Everything that you think is owed to you, everything that you desire, please, this morning I pray that we will come to understand before all of that, He is God. He is God. And so irreverent worship is worship that is all about self. David just became king a few chapters before that. He had everything a man can physically desire. He had wealth and he had power. And yet he sets out to return God's presence. And I'm just reading that, just this thought that came to mind. Now, was that just another box he needed to tick to say, now I am fulfilled? Which is sort of the picture I get from the first attempt. Versus, I am nothing. And I have nothing without him. So what is reverent worship? I want you to, to open your Bibles with me. What is worship? It is not that churchy word, please, that refers to that song and music time during church. What is worship? Because I cannot tell you what is reverent worship if you do not understand what is worship. Romans 12 verses 1, Paul unpacks the true meaning of worship. It starts off by saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Can you see the revelation of God? Up until verse 12 or, or chapter 12, he's been explaining to these people who's God. So by the mercies of God, because of whom God is, because of whom God is, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Because of whom God is. Worship is about God. Because of whom God is. Present your bodies. That word body, shoma or shomas in, in Greek, means physical, emotional, spiritual. Your whole being. Present that as a living sacrifice. So worship is this whole being. Whatever this whole being is doing, I sacrifice it unto God. No longer what I want. And so tomorrow when I get up and I go to work, I am busy worshiping God by mind, by spirit, and by body. That is the living sacrifice. But then he carries on to say, holy and pleasing to God. So don't just sacrifice it. You need to understand that this way of living, your worship, needs to be separated. It needs to look different. It needs to be holy. Holy, it is separated unto God does not look like the rest. It looks different. So how you go about on that phone call tomorrow or you spend time at a social event, is your life looking different? Is your worship reverenced to Christ or is it irreverent? It is not honoring God. You are not conducting yourself in a way that is bringing Him honor. That is irreverent worship. That is not true meaning of worship. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, separated, and acceptable to God. Listen to this. Which is your spiritual worship? Which is your spiritual worship? What is worship? Worship, 
when we understand it starts with God and it ends with God, we then respond in laying down our lives daily. Daily. In every moment. In every conversation. In every relationship. Not about me, God. Not how I feel about speaking to this guy. But what you want. That is pleasing, reverent worship unto God. David had full access to what he needed to know about God's word. We have full access to what we need to know about worshiping God. About living lives in reverence to Him. What does your worship reflect? Does it reflect ignorance? I know the word is there, but I don't care to study and look and see. Or does your worship this morning reflect or throughout the week disobedience? I know the word, I read the word, but I do not apply it. Might be good motives, but my conduct is not aligned with his word. When I stepped into that social event, my conduct is not aligned with his word. I end off with this. The glory of God demands reverent worship. We might be sincere in our motives to worship God. But we can be sincerely wrong in how we worship Him. From being ignorant or disobedient to His word. Let's close our eyes. started off this morning by asking you a question. If you had to have a conversation now with God, and you can have it, what will He say to you about just His experience of your worship, of your life, of your conduct, of your emotions? Is your worship, is your is your life, is your daily walk currently reverent worship? I pray that we will come back to that place where it's not about us, but it's all about Him. May we come back, and as we study the next few weeks, Pray, Holy Spirit, that you will reveal to us again just afresh the true meaning of worship.